So as uh, we prepare to turn to scripture, um, the text we're going to read, one of, we are actually going to have two today, but the first one um, is a story of Jesus. And at the beginning of it, there's uh, these Greeks uh, that turn to one of the disciples and um, they say this to him. They say, we want to see Jesus. Can you help us? Um, as we uh, come to this time um, where we're going to turn to scripture, um, my hope is we can come with that same longing. Um, let's pray together, y'all. Holy God, uh, uh, just move in us uh, that we too um, might come to this time where we turn our hearts and minds to you. Move in us so that we might come with that same desire, this longing, this longing to see Jesus. Um, and God, we just ask uh, for your help uh, with that this day. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would send your spirit uh, to open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to your son. Jesus Christ, our Lord, um, and the ways uh, he calls us to move in and through our world. It's in your name uh, that we ask these things. Amen. As we turn to scripture this morning, um, We'll first turn to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 12, verses 20 to 26, and then uh, uh, Paul's letter uh, to the church in Rome, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Let's listen uh, for God's word for us this day. There were some Greeks in town who had come up to worship at the feast. They approached Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Sir... We want to see Jesus. Can you help us? Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip together told Jesus. And Jesus answered, time's up. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Listen carefully, he said. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. And now from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, 
But be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So as we come together to tend the garden of our heart, the garden of this church's life once more this week, we are looking for weeds that need to be pulled out of us so that what is meant to grow here and here can flourish. This week, the weed we are pulling is our tendency to conform, to try to fit into the culture around us, to hold on to life just as it is in the world. Instead, as Eugene Peterson translates our passage from Romans, Scripture says to us, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. In Sunday school, we are studying together the book Uncommon Ground, which is a compilation of reflections from Christians of all walks of life about how we engage faithfully in a world where there is so much difference. It's asking the question these texts from Scripture seem to be asking us as well. How do we live in the world, really live in the world, not conforming to it, but instead following after Jesus faithfully through it? In the reflection we read for this week, Tom Lynn, who both founded an intercultural collegiate ministry and served as a missionary, names that we are living in times of cultural change that can leave us feeling lost and afraid. As I read his words that were published in early 2020, before all that this year was going to hold unfolded, I was struck by how they spoke so powerfully to the moment in which we find ourselves now. He says, we no longer feel at home and are unprepared for the real rigors and risks of being off the grid. We are unsettled by places where the paths are not well trod, by situations where the safety net has been withdrawn, by difficult settings where the plans end and the improvisation begins. Are we lost? Should we despair, he asks. Or might God be inviting us to travel off the grid, to an adventure that exposes us to risks and possibly transformation? Perhaps he desires for us to see the changes around us as opportunities that allow us and the church to grow in courage, faithfulness, and resilience. Perhaps he calls us to mature in faith that reflects confidence and trust in the triune God. So it was a week ago uh, that our family was starting out on a trip back home from our vacation in Estes Park, Colorado, that we had an experience of being off-grid. 
Throughout our time in Estes, we were living with the reality of the forest fire that was burning north of us. There was always a smoky haze around. Sometimes at night, you could even see the glow of the fire way off in the distance. Some of the firefighters were being housed where we were at the YMCA of the Rockies, so we would see their trucks pull out early each morning. The week we were there was incredibly windy. And so the fire that had been burning since August was even more difficult for them to contain. And as we headed for home early Sunday morning, what we didn't know was that a new forest fire, a little further east and south of the first one, was erupting. And it was burning up acreage at a fast pace. Our first indicator of this was a sign telling us the highway we were to take from Estes to Boulder was closed. At that point, we had been using our rental car's navigation system, um, but it was clear it did not have any up-to-date information, so we quickly switched to Google Maps uh, once we realized that traditional route wasn't going to be available to us. Google redirected us to a new highway, and we started following the route laid out before us. The smoke got thicker as we went. But outside of the signal directing our navigation, we could not get online uh, to check in with what was going on around us. Google would alert us of a turn ahead, and then we would get to it. And before us, the road we were currently on would be blocked with emergency vehicles who were directing us the same way that Google was asking us to turn. And after this happened a time or two, it seemed like the route we were on was the right one. And so we kept on moving forward, trying to get down from the mountain and out of harm's way. Then there was this moment when Google had us turn off the highway we were on into this tiny ramshackle town with houses right up against the road, right up against the mountain, clabbered together out of whatever materials their constructors and owners could get their hands on. I was driving. And George looked around at the couple of cars that were in front of us and the couple of cars behind us, and he just started laughing. He goes, we're all following Google. I bet each and every one of us is using Google Maps right now, and that's why we all happen to be on this tiny little road in the middle of nowhere. At that moment, I looked down at our navigation system and saw the next turn Google had planned for us was none other than Lick Skillet Road. You heard me right. Lick Skillet Road was just a couple of miles ahead on the right. When we and our other friends came upon good old Lick Skillet, that's when George pulled out his phone and started filming. Well, here we are on uh, Lick Skillet Road. <laughs> Avoiding fire, forest fires, and potentially construction, we aren't sure which. We're with our friends, all of us, we are pretty confident, are following Google. Google has misled us. Well, we don't know. We are not in a forest fire, so we're grateful for that. So when I first saw the name Lick Skillet Road on my navigation, I was nervous. Um, 
I, you know, I didn't know what to expect out of Lick Skillet, but the one lane dirt road up the mountain seemed to match the name. As we were making that journey up uh, Lick Skillet, I looked down and saw that our next turn was onto Main Street, and I suddenly felt a lot better um, because, you know, Main Street uh, seems like uh, it would uh, be a little safer route than Lick Skillet Road. Um, however, my feelings changed when we actually found Main Street. From Google, <laughs> Google Maps. We don't know where we're going. Oh, y'all, we so didn't know where we were going. And while you are hearing lots of laughter out of that car of ours, you should know that deep down I was nervous. It definitely felt like and looked like we were further away from the fires than we had been before. It seemed like we were on the right track, but y'all, that track was not what we had expected, and we had no idea where it was leading us. We had plugged home into the navigation when our journey began, and we were having to trust that it would do just that, that it would lead us home. As Tom Lynn reflected upon the time he and his wife spent as missionaries in Mongolia, he named feeling the same kind of vulnerability over their early years in that country that we were feeling on those smoky mountain roads. When you get off the grid, when you let go of life as it is, when you stop trying to conform to the world around you and instead trust that your God knows the path for you, that your God will lead you home to the life God means for you to live, it can feel really scary. But it is those less beaten, one-road, curvy paths, the ones that call us to follow the weird way of Jesus that leads us to life. Lynn reflects upon their experience saying God was transforming us from tourists into sojourners. We were experiencing real losses, taking real risks, and feeling real vulnerability, stripped of everything familiar. We experienced the adventure on his terms, reliant on his provision and dependent on his mercy. We are forced to believe that what Jesus said to Paul was true for us as well. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. It was because they were so vulnerable when they arrived that Lynn and his wife had to humbly receive what their new Mongolian neighbors offered them. And it was in and through that vulnerability and humility that deep relationships with their neighbors was forged. It was those deep relationships that shaped and changed them in meaningful ways. And it also became the ground out of which their ministry would grow. Lynn questions what their experience means for the church here in these days. He asks, I often wonder what Christians in the United States will need to leave behind in order to embrace the adventure God has before us. I wonder what God might be stripping away so we can cling 
desperately and helplessly only to him. How does the longing for power, privilege, and position freeze us in place? How do our financial resources, technological tools, and cultural arrogance insulate us from an honest encounter with God and with the world? Jesus' words to his disciples as he speaks of a grain of wheat falling to be buried in the ground are powerful ones. Anyone who holds onto life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. Hear those words once more. Anyone who holds onto life just as it is destroys that life. But if you can let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. In just a minute, we are going to sing one of my favorite songs. It speaks of God's reckless love of us that proclaims that weird way of Jesus. For as Tom Lynn named, we worship a God who came into the world vulnerable. As a baby, he was dependent on Joseph and Mary for protection and sustenance. He gladly received financial help from women like Mary Magdalene, Susanna, and Joanna. He took water from a Samaritan woman. He ate frequently at the table of Mary and Martha. He hoped for encouragement and companionship from his disciples at Gethsemane. This vulnerability, as much as his marches and teaching, moved the earliest disciples from awe to love. It is that same vulnerability that led Jesus to the cross. That led God to love us recklessly, no matter what, no matter what cost. It is that same vulnerability that causes our God to chase after us, after all the world, even now. Y'all, our God needs us to love the world in the same way. God needs the church of Jesus Christ to be the true church in these days. To not be suspicious, critical, judgmental, or closed as we approach the world around us, but instead to move into it just as Jesus did, vulnerably. Open, adaptable, accepting, trusting. God longs for us to love the world around us, as God loves us, with an overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. To love like that, to live like that, is to walk the weird way of Jesus. To follow after him onto paths less traveled. Where there is real loss, real risk, real vulnerability, and to watch as that following, those paths manage to lead us all home.
Amen.